0: line today. There we go. We got the that'll wake you up. But I'm glad that you're here and that we're able to celebrate still Thanksgiving. You know, we're sort of between the holidays. Did you know that right now? Between Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Right? We're bleeding the hot between the holidays. But uh we are uh going to extend Uh, Our hearts and our spirit of thanksgiving uh, in a brief mini-series that we've been doing called Choose Thankful. And indeed, it's been one of those weeks where uh, it's just been good to be with family, to be able to relax and to be able to engage one with another. And uh, whether it's with uh, family or friends or just you had some solitude time to yourself to be able to be grateful to God, we uh, have been encouraging one another in these weeks to slow down, take time, and to engage. In fact, uh, that's where we have a sort of gone with the series is to encourage you to do some homework. And that homework was to pull up a bench, maybe in a scenic place or maybe just mentally in your mind, have a seat, relax, think of God's goodness and all that He's done, and engage with Him. Did you finish your assignment to choose thankful and to spend that time with the Lord and with others? I trust so. You know, the most uh, used Scripture verse, according to one Bible app for Thanksgiving, is this. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, those are three rapid fire kind of things that are very helpful for us to keep not only for a week of Thanksgiving but to keep in mind always that we are to rejoice always, to pray continuously and to give thanks. They sort of go together one with another. There was a lady by the name of Nancy DeMoss, maybe some of you are familiar with her. She uh, spent time studying all the scriptures, an uh, uh, elongated time studying all the scriptures uh, that referenced thanksgiving and gratitude and a, and a heart of praise in one sense. And she was moved deeply by this study. She ended up writing a book on it, but the, the study that she did impacted her personally. And she said this concerning that study, on the issue of gratitude and thanksgiving from Scripture. I've seen that if I am not ceaselessly vigilant about rejecting ingratitude and choosing gratitude, I all too easily get sucked into the undertow of life in a fallen world. I start focusing on what I don't have that I want and what I want that I don't have. My life starts to feel hard, worrisome, and overwhelming. A lack of gratitude manifests itself in fretting, complaining, and resenting. Even in the most turbulent waters, choosing gratitude rescues me from myself and my runaway emotions. It buoys me on the grace of God. There's another writer that says this, Ann Voskamp. To give thanks is an action, and rejoice is a verb. And these things are not mere pulsating emotions. While I may not always feel joy, God asks me to give thanks in all things, because He knows that the feeling of joy begins in the action of thanksgiving. The feeling of joy begins in the what? The action of thanksgiving. That's why i just simply titled today, Gratitude in Action. Next. You see, the word thanksgiving has two parts to it. Thanks, we're focused on, but I want to focus on the aspect of giving today. Because it's an active participation sport. Thanksgiving is. And so that's why we said pull up a chair, a bench, sit down, let's work with this, let's go over it, and your assignment's not done today because we need to give thanks every day. We need to give thanks every day and allow ourselves to be formed underneath a heart of gratitude rather than a heart of worry and fret. And it doesn't matter how well things are going in your life, I can guarantee you around the corner, most likely pretty soon, there's going to be stress and resentment or frustration, brokenness that comes into your life, and you're going to fall into uh, a non-Thanksgiving kind of spirit. But I want you to be action-oriented in your Thanksgiving as we stand here moving through the month of December into the new year, We're finally going to be rid of 2020. I think I'm more excited about New Year's Eve and New Year's Day than I am anything else, maybe, as we move through the holidays. It's like 2020, you know, we had this 2020 vision. So much great things could happen. And then all the change that's come. But, you know, it doesn't matter with God. He's not stressed. He's not worried. He's not fretting. There is no uh, uh, furrow on the brow of Jesus, as often say. He's at peace. All's well in his kingdom. And you get to participate in that kingdom and I get to participate in that kingdom if we are solid followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the um, spirit of actively giving thanksgiving, I found myself this morning sort of pleased with myself. I got up. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Sunday. Sunday's coming. I always think of that through the week and then I wake up on a Sunday and go, Sunday's here. And you know, I start to get the juices flowing and the motivation to be able to come and and so grateful. So many of you, you show up and you get this whole out back lot set up and the inside with the overhead doors. I mean, this takes work to get this pulled off and you're pulling in here at 7, 7.30 in the morning trying to get it done. But I'm up and I'm going. And instead of my mind going to places like, oh no, this or that, is that gonna get done? I you may sound think this is weird but i walked up and i turned on the sink faucet and i said to myself oh that's great i have running water inside my house i am so thankful for that you going like that's a little weird right i walked around and i stepped inside the food pantry and it came to my mind the shelves are full in the food pantry that's pretty cool and I came out of the food pantry, and there was the dog, laying where the dog should never lay, because the dog likes to lay exactly where you're always walking and trip you. And my first thought was, well, Maggie, good to see you today. I'm glad you're still alive. Our dog's older, so it's, it's, a, it's a word of thanks every morning. You're like, hey, Maggie's alive, you know? It was interesting. I had, um, uh, we had a great family uh, Thanksgiving, and uh, uh we have a niece. I have a niece from San Diego that comes up and joins us for Thanksgiving. And uh, she brought a box, and she lives in a condo, a small condo, one-bedroom condo. And she had this box. She didn't really want the stuff. She maybe thought we might like it. And she says, you know, can I, can I just sort of leave it here? And I said, well, sure. And I said, you can put it in the garage. And she goes, oh, yeah, that's, I've, you got a garage. That's great. And then she just started, went on this little bit of roll, you know. And then, look, you, you know, your backyard and, and, and a beautiful view and things like that. And uh, then she takes the box to the garage and she goes, and you got a laundry room. How credible is that? You know, you don't have to go down the hall, the corridor in a condo complex and put your quarters in to do your laundry. And I just had to smile to myself because I'm like, you know, you're right. I got a garage, and I I spent most of the time last week trying to clear that garage out, and it was a little bit of a pain to me. But I got a garage. That's pretty cool. Got more space in it this week. And I do have a a backyard. I had it all redone last year this time, and the grass grew, and I haven't mowed it for a whole year because I have rabbits that show up every night and eat the grass. But I got a yard, and I got a beautiful view, right? Right? And laundry, yeah, you know, I have to do the laundry, but, you know, at least I don't have to go down the hallway to do it. You know, it's the little things that you start to get focused on sometimes that really are pretty significant when you think about modern technology and conveniences and those kinds of things. But because we accumulate and we grab a hold of things, we just sort of take things for granted. And so we're always looking at the next and best thing. Or what can I do that I, I, I haven't been able to do or experiences I can go on or a place of ease to get at financially or health-wise? There's always this looking for something more and not stopping with an attitude of gratitude Choosing thankful in the moment every day. But if we actually started to enumerate those things, you might find that your disposition really does change. And I found that my disposition, because I've been in this series and according, uh, encouraging us in part, but I found that my own spirit has changed in these couple, three weeks. And for that, God, I'm very thankful. But you know, the most important thing hasn't been Running water in the house, and a and a, and a food and a pantry, and a, and a laundry room, and a backyard, and a garage—those kinds of things. What my heart has come back to, time and time again, when I've pulled up the bench and I've prayed, is sort of what's recorded in First Peter by Peter himself, when he says this: First Peter one three. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. You know what I come back to? as I sit myself in that spirit of... Uh, always rejoicing, praying continuously, and giving thanks in all circumstances. It's not that I live in between the holidays. It's that I live in between the first and the second coming of Jesus. And that I am counted a part of His family. And He welcomes me in every day to commune and sup with Him and have fellowship with Him and rejoice with Him and that He has provided for me an inheritance that far outweighs anything that I can grab a hold of in this life. And that inheritance is given to each one of us if we are a follower of Jesus Christ. Why? Because our sins have been forgiven. The power of sin has been broken through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we live in a spiritual, not make-believe environment, we live in a spiritual reality every day that all we have to do is pause, sit on the bench and think, Lord, remind me again of my incredible inheritance that's kept from me in heaven and that I get to participate in today. And we cannot, especially if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and have been a follower of Jesus Christ for many, many years, we cannot become accustomed and complacent to the living, breathing reality and the hope that we have our inheritance in Jesus Christ. For all the things that you don't have that you would like to have, For all the things on your Christmas list, kids, that, yeah, you've put them there, but they're probably not going to happen. Friends, nothing compares with the inheritance and the gifts that God gives to us by being a part of His kingdom. That's why Hebrews 12, verse 28 says this, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God Acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. You know, the word thanksgiving, the emphasis on thanks, the encouragement today is to focus on the word giving. Gratitude in action requires. Activity. You know, it's like you've heard the the husband that uh, was talking to his wife and she's complaining about, hey, you never say that you love me. And he just simply said, I told you I loved you once, and if it ever changes, I'll let you know. Well, sometimes I feel that way with thanks. It's like, yeah, I thank the Lord or I thank the other. But it needs to be active. Thanksgiving is an action. And as it says here in Hebrews, be thankful and so worship God. It's an engagement. That's why I sort of, you know, like I didn't know, you know. Hey, Sunday after Thanksgiving, people come and go a little bit. I know COVID changes the travel routine. A little bit chilly this morning. Sometimes people come and have to sit in the sun like uh, Dave and Sue and family back there, you know. And, and it's like, who really going to show up or not? but I'm grateful that you have chosen the activity of gratitude to come in person and worship. And if you're not able to be here in person, you've chose to be able to kick on live stream through Facebook uh, or YouTube and worship together with the larger community. That is participating. That's an action. You're choosing to say, say, God, all over again, I want to say thank you. Great is our Lord. Great is our God, like the worship team. That's an activity that should have priority in our life. You know, they say there's concern about people coming back to church after COVID because people have got in a routine of not being participating in a local fellowship. That's to be seen, I guess, whenever we get over COVID. But... You have chosen here today, whether online or on-site, to worship, and that's great. Continue that activity of thanksgiving by moving your body into the presence of others to worship God. Prioritize worship. And whether it's here at 10 o'clock at the awakening on a Sunday morning, or it's in another engagement, another place, you need the discipline and your kids need the discipline of saying this is priority. We give thanks to God. Thanksgiving is gratitude in action. There's other actions, of course, such as being able to encourage other people and to be able to support them in different ways and uh, to be able to... uh, uh, just champion other people's lives so you're participating in other people's lives. But I want to look at one activity in specific today that calls us out. Maybe it's this time of year. Maybe it's just that this is at the heart of God and we see an awful lot of Scripture referencing it. And it's the activity of thanks in giving monetarily itself. You're familiar with many of you, the story of Jesus. It's actually the, fa- the last recorded um, story of Jesus doing public ministry. After this story, he sort of goes behind the scenes and just spends time with his disciples until the cross. But Jesus is in a public setting and uh, he is watching and observing. And the story is the story uh, of. The widow and the mites, or the widow and her offering. And it goes this way in Mark 12, verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts you got to picture these things. I, I've had the opportunity to be to Israel to see where the Temple Mount was. I have a, uh, one of the pictures I like to have hanging in my office or my home. I came across it as I was reorganizing some things this last week. It's actually a sketch, a drawing of the temple, Herod's temple as it stood during the day of Jesus Christ. Uh, it was not only magnificent, it was enormous, enormous. If you ever see um, people... In Israel and Jerusalem, uh, Jewish people praying at the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall. That's only a small portion of the lower foundation of what was the huge temple during Jesus' day. And in the temple, they would come and they would bring their sacrifices, right? They would offer sacrifices of... uh, lambs or whatever and, and and they would uh have atonement for their sins through the blood that was shed and and the whole process of of the high priest and what they would do and Jesus is in this environment in the temple with his disciples now his disciples apparently weren't nearby, so maybe they were just sort of scattered around like you know you're sitting in the commons area of a big mall or something and and they're all scattered doing some different kinds of things, but jesus just people watching. People watching, and, and he was in the, in the court of women, which wasn't a court just for women. It was where women were also able to go with men. And in this court, this part of the temple, there were 13 treasury chests. And these treasury chests received the financial uh, gifts that were given by people. And uh, these 13 treasury chests, uh, they were called the shofar chests because on top of them was a funnel. And I don't know if you've ever come across kids, maybe you guys have, and somebody's saying, where you put your money and something has a big funnel and it goes around, 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 around and you go. Is it ever gonna go down in the box, right? When you're giving, you know, maybe a little bit of a charity thing. Well, that's sort of what it was. That this funnel at the top of these uh treasury chests. There were 13 of them scattered around, and the rich people would come in. Now, if you if you were rich and you threw a lot of money into the chauffeur horn, the funnel, guess what would sound? Yeah, there would be a big sound, like clank, 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 grrr, clank, 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 I It was like, whoa, and so it was a little bit of cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching going on, right? And Jesus is just watching this. He's observing people. And he calls his disciples over because he notices something. He said, hey, 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 guys, come, come here for a second. Oh, okay, Jesus. So they come over and they sit down with him as he's observing this. And it says, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Now, we know that what she put in was, was very small amount. In fact, it was the smallest coin in Palestine of that day. And so it would maybe meagerly provide a little bit of flour for the lowest substance of a meal, uh, representing maybe one sixty-fourth of what a day's wage would be. It was a very small amount. And so he calls his disciples to him, it says, and Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more in the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. All she had to live on. Now, I don't know about you, but if Jesus is calling me over, I'm going to probably go over and I'm going to sit down with him and I'm going to think through some of this stuff. And uh, can you see them coming over? Because there was a lot of rich people throwing in different things here and there. And Jesus said, hey, did you see what I just saw? And Peter goes, he says, yeah, man, He says, that guy in the purple robe. Did you see what he brought in? He must have brought in a a whole week's worth of of, of salary because it went clang, clang, clang. around." By the whoa, and and uh, and uh, then John probably says, "Well, you know, there's over here. I, I said, did you see that scribe that came in with his son? And they even had some trumpets behind him because you know, they wanted to accentuate what they were going to give. And they gave a whole month's worth of their salary, I think. But as long as I heard that clanging going down, you know, and did you did you see the chariot they came in on?" I mean, it was a, a three-horse uh, Roman Tesla. It was pretty sweet, man. And, you know, someone else is like, yeah, did you see what this other person did? And Jesus says, no. Did you notice the widow? Notice the widow? What widow? That widow. That widow who came in and gave. Out of her poverty, she put in everything. Now, there's different reasons Jesus probably would have noticed this widow. One is that um, someone who's poor and doesn't have a lot, if you notice them, uh if you see them, you'll notice them because they're they're a little bit different than the others. If if we had someone who was a homeless person off the street walk in here right now and walk down this aisle, and you know we have um, some baskets for offering or whatever uh, that are on the tables, walking out and and they walk everybody would sort of notice that. And so Jesus noticed her condition. You see, a widow was. Usually poor in those days, separate unto themselves. I think Jesus also, when you think about this, you know, somewhere his uh, earth dad, Joseph, who was the carpenter, had died because you don't really see him uh, identified in Scripture anywhere. You have Mary all the way even to the cross that his mother Mary is identified. And so, most likely, his mother Mary was a widow. He also noticed because of the demeanor and the disposition of of which that person carried themselves wasn't one of glamour and popularity, but one of humbleness and brokenness. And and Jesus notices this. And he just says, hey, come here, guys. Did you see the widow? And you you see what the widow did? Now, if... If we had a homeless person walk in here and walk up to an offering basket on a table, you would think, uh, hey, somebody needs to be standing over there watching that table. I mean, what, what, what's that person going to do? They're going to take something out of it maybe, right? But she didn't take something out of anything. Out of her poverty, she gave, and Jesus in His discernment through things, she gave all that she had. And so Jesus realigns how we see things. He says, do not see things as man sees things. Seize things with spiritual eyes. And do not measure a person's heart according to some size of a gift that they give. Look at the inner heart that they have of worship and of faith. Now, it doesn't say in Scripture that she gave because she was thankful or that she gave because she had great faith. But friends, when you're given all that you have, you know that there's something that's working inside of that person that she gave what she had because of a heart of thankfulness and a passion for God and a disposition Of faith that he would provide for her. And so these three things were moving together in the widow with the mites or the coins, the pennies, whatever you want to refer to them, that are being tossed. Faith, gratitude, and generosity, they go together. Faith, gratitude, and generosity, they all go together. And Jesus called it out. And He called His disciples out for needing to get their heads squared away with where the heart value of true thanksgiving really is. You know, it's interesting that right before this, actually a couple chapters, there's a rich man that comes to Jesus. And if I could just simply say this, you guys have maybe heard me reference it before, but if you were to take all the income levels of everybody in the whole world, all of us sitting here in this space here this morning or watching online would be in the top 5%. That's just reality. Top 5% of wealth and incomes are represented right here. So it's not like, oh, this is a talk for somebody else. No, this is a talk for all of us, beginning with your pastor. And I had to wrestle with some of these issues my own life this very week with some decisions that had to be made. And Jesus is not interested in the money. Jesus is interested in the heart where your treasure is, there your heart is also, Scripture says. And he's always going to that. Why? Because he's really checking us. Do we have a thankful heart? Do we have a heart of gratitude? A heart of generosity? Because talk is cheap. I did the active part of gratitude today. I came great is our God. Jesus is watching everybody in the temple. Great is God. Okay. See, it was two chapters before this that there was a rich man that came to him. And so it was like somebody from uh, the Awakening Church, if I can just be straightforward, came to him, uh big, top 5% kind of deal, and it says, hey, uh, what must I do? You know, inherit eternal life. He, came, he said, sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. And what happened to the rich ruler? He said, nah, I can't, can't do that. Man. I can't part with it. Dude. I can't. And so he walked away. That just happened a couple chapters before this event of Jesus telling his disciples, hey, check this out. You see, Jesus is always reminding us that the heart of the matter really is shown by the actions of our life. Some of you might be familiar with the um, old spiritual song, um, I Got Shoes. Any of you ever sing that song? I got shoes, you got shoes, all of God's children got shoes. When I get to heaven, going to put on my shoes, and I'm gonna shout all over God's heaven. Heaven. You're all looking at me like never heard that in my life. Am I that old? Well, they say that spiritual song, you know, it's probably you know sung by the slaves they're out in the field. And uh, they would sing that, I got shoes, you got shoes, all God's children got shoes. When I get to heaven, going to put on my shoes, going to shout all over God's heaven. Because they didn't have shoes, a lot of them. A lot of them didn't have shoes and they weren't able to even shout on the earth. But they had this longing of their inheritance, the eternal inheritance, and say, well, they would sing out with that. But then, then the next verse of that little spiritual song would say, Everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. It's like, what are they doing that? Well, they're thinking that they probably in that moment as they're singing this spiritual song, they look up at the mansion on the hill and they say, everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. Depiction between the poor and the rich. Rich young ruler said, I can't park. There is something intrinsically tied between our monetary resources and our wealth to our heart and to the issue of gratitude that God is immensely concerned with. I always walk lightly on this subject. Why? That's all the church wants is your money. Pastors talking about money. I'm sorry. Next to prayer, issues of giving and money are the second top subject in Scripture. I am in trouble with God if I don't speak on that which he speaks about. Why in the world did Jesus call his disciples over to point out somebody giving their offering? That's rather bold. That's obnoxious. That's a little bit <clears throat> meddling, don't you think, Jesus? You're supposed to give in secret. He wasn't interested in the money aspect, he was interested in the condition of your thanksgiving because the gratitude that we have is an, an action verb, it's a worship verb, and we. Give because of our great thankfulness for all Christ has done and the inheritance that we have in Him. I got shoes, you got shoes. All of God's children got shoes. When I get to heaven, I'm going to put on my shoes. I don't know what kind of shoes those are, but I'm going to shout all over God's heaven. And I want to shout and proclaim there what I proclaim here in action and deed. Faith, gratitude, and generosity go hand in hand. It says this in 2 Corinthians 9-10. I want you to see how this blends together with this. We won't have time to draw back and do the contextual aspect of this all that much, but simply this, Paul says to those Christians in Corinth as he's seeking to do uh, initiatives and, and do well for God's kingdom and the people that are in need. He says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you. Because of the surpassing grace God has given you, thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. As Paul journeyed, he would take the offerings, some of them would go back to the poor people in Jerusalem, others for other kinds of needs, and there there were a lot of needs says that the widow's might probably because it was so small, probably went into one of the coffers that was for the building program in that day or for the burnt offerings that helped suffice the, the sacrifices and, and the Levites. So there's different places in which the offering would go, but he's talking here about just general offerings in the spirit of generosity. That this generosity is going to do something in you. And this generosity is going to do something in other people. And I simply phrase it this way grateful people demonstrate their gratitude in generosity. You can't help but give. Do you know what the percentage of giving was from church people uh, to the church and others in need during the Great Depression? It was 3.3%. Do you know what it is today? 2.5%. 2.5% is what people will give. Now, we all understand what the tithe is. Most of us do. The tithe is upfront, historical biblical standard of 10% is given to God. And just to be obedient, step forward in that faith. But we're not even talking about that number at the moment. So if you even disagree with that, and we're talking about the difference between the Great Depression and today. 3.3% drops down to 2.5%. Think about the immense accumulation of wealth. Why is that? I tell you why in part. Because during the Great Depression, you were dependent on other people's generosity. And that generosity would spur generosity one to another. It wasn't the miserly thing. Oh, I need to keep this for ourselves. You know, we're heading towards Christmas, and I, I, I remember my Christmases very clearly as a, a young child, and I'd come down uh, the stairs with my siblings, and we'd see packages under the tree, and we'd immediately do what? We'd start counting how many packages each of us had. And one of us had one more package than the other person. That was a problem, right? What's that feeding? That's, that's feeding the sense of, you know, I, I, I need to acquire, I need to keep. But when you are placed in a position in life where you don't have much, then a spirit of generosity actually comes. You're very grateful for things, and so then you give greatly. Here's the widow who had lost an awful lot, didn't have anything, but she had this generosity heart. Because she had a grateful heart. Gratefulness, people who are grateful demonstrate their gratitude in generosity. Thanksgiving, choose thankfulness, pull up the chair, sit down, let's think about it. Yeah, speak your words, sing your words, help other people. But I tell you, there's something about the issue of monetary means where God says, check yourself, check yourself. Is there truly a heart of gratitude directly correlated and seen through your activity of generosity? But that activity does something. For generosity then causes gratitude to take place in other people. All of us have probably received an unsolicited gift from somebody. And you're like, no way. I can't believe they did that for me. And it creates something inside of you. Some juices start going where you're like, oh man, I'm just... I'm not only so grateful for that person I'm grateful for other things and it sort of spurs it it's sort of secular it goes around and around as you are thankful you become generous and then your generosity goes and spurs gratefulness in other people friends I don't know about you but I need to live in this kind of culture this is the kind of culture heaven is why Because God gave up His most precious gift, His Son, Jesus Christ. The greatest sacrifice was seen through Christ in what He did on the cross. And we have been recipients of His inheritance. His death, His resurrection has bought for us and brought to us and will bring to us something between the the times of His first coming and His second coming, more immeasurably than anything we could have here on earth. And that should create within us a generous spirit for others. You know, sometimes you think about why do we have such a, a, a stinginess? So what, why are we so possessive of things? And I, I think one of the keys is to realize that we do not have anything. All we have is God. Sorry, I came across to, uh, is in, uh, a book by Greg Lowry uh, on worship. He says a woman was shopping and, and uh, she got done shopping and she took her bags and started to head to the car and As she came up to the car, she saw that there were four men sitting inside the car. She drops her bag. She pulls out a handgun out of her purse, and she points it at him and says, I got a gun. I know how to use it. Get out of the car. And the four men, they jump, and they scatter, and they run. She puts the bags in the back of her car car seat, sits down. She just wants to get out of there. She's so upset and frustrated. She looks around, she's having a hard time getting the key to working ignition. And it dawns on her that she's in the wrong car. And she looks four or five cars over and there's her car. She starts to look around at those men and she gets out of the car, takes the bags, puts them in her car, and she immediately drives to the police station. She gets the police station to turn herself in and the, the desk sergeant hears her story and just starts laughing, almost falls out of her chair, his chair. And he points down to the end of the counter and there's four guys down there filing out a report about a carjacking of some crazy lady, that white curly hair with glasses and, and a handgun. No charges were filed. What do you think's yours? It's really not yours. It's where it starts. In many ways, realizing that all is given to us by God Himself. Grateful people demonstrate their gratitude and generosity. Generosity causes gratitude to take place in people. We're between the holidays, in one sense, of Black Friday and Cyber Monday. There was a pastor who was trying to explain the Thanksgiving holiday, trying to explain the Thanksgiving holiday to some people in Hong Kong, because, you know, Thanksgiving's an American holiday into itself. And as he was trying to explain it, he caught himself trying to catch, how do I explain people who have a day of Thanksgiving, but then they spend time gorging themselves and trying to figure out how much they can consume? And then if you've noticed what's happened so much, it actually shows up on my Google calendar now. Black Friday shows up as a day Black Friday moved in where, hey, it's supposed to be the deals. It was different this year because of COVID. You couldn't go to the stores kind of thing. But then there was Cyber Monday. I guess there's also Small Business Saturday now. So you solicit and buy from small businesses to help encouraging that. But here we go. We're on a roll. And all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. We got, hey, Thanksgiving. All right, Thanksgiving. Oh, 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 oh. more consuming. <laughs> Black Friday. There's some great deals there. And yeah, I'll help the small businesses on Saturday. And the Monday's coming. Cyber Monday. The deal- Amazon—you check them out. You got it going. We're just feeding the same beast, and you're going to like, "Wait a second, where's where's some of this stopped?" was in 2012 on the Upper East Side of Manhattan that there was a uh, an organization that's actually a cultural and community organization called the uh, 92nd Street Y. It's not a YMCA, but they came up with this idea based off of something they'd heard and seen somebody do the year before, where they decided that they would establish Giving Tuesday. And Giving Tuesday would be that first Tuesday after Thanksgiving. And on that day, you would give. Give to charitable organizations, give away uh, to means that you really had ownership of. And Giving Tuesday over these just few years uh, has, has really uh, accentuated and given millions and millions of dollars. Well, Giving Tuesday is coming. And I don't know about you, but maybe we ought to reorganize Giving Tuesday and move it to the Tuesday before Thanksgiving so that we set an action, gratitude and action, and that we start to give rather than focus on consume. And that giving then is going to create a spirit of generosity where we choose thankfulness. We choose thankful on an ongoing basis and we inspire others and it's just a part of who we are. We sort of sail through the weekend with a different kind of spirit and disposition. Have any of you ever participated in one of those pay it forward kind of things? You know what that is? Actually, it goes back to 300 years before Christ in a Greek play. People would pay it forward for someone else. Well, it, it sort of got notoriety a number of years ago when somebody at, at a drive-thru ended up paying for not only their food, but for the person behind them, right? And then that person pulls up, and they find out, what's why I want the person up there uh, paid for mine. I think it started when a guy uh, had uh, been bothered by the person behind him honking his horn. And and so when he pulled up to the drive-thru, he just, I'm going to, Pay for the guy that's been bugging me behind me, right? You know what the longest pay it forward thing is? 387 cars. It happened in St. Petersburg, where it started at 6 a.m. and it went till 7 p.m. People just paying for the next person behind them, paying for the next person behind them. Gratitude in action. Next. Gratitude in action. Next. And that reciprocal thing started to say, hey, somebody gave to me. I want to be generous, give to the person behind me. Can you imagine that? Those many hours, can you imagine the person that broke the chain? My understanding, the person that broke the chain was confused about what it was all about and what to do. So they just said thank you and drove away. Friends, my heart and my desire as we finish out this little mini-series here on the other side of Thanksgiving is just to get you to choose thankful. And to choose thankful by making it an action. And giving is front and center. And whether it's a Giving Tuesday and God's challenge from that to your heart and mind, we didn't do any announcements up front because part of that announcement is what? Offering. I said, you know, we're just going to bring it here to the end. Text 77977, we always say. And give to God. Give to His purposes. One of those that's coming up is the whole year-end offering. I'm going to be sending you a letter this week about that year-end Christmas offering. But yay, nay as to what buckets it goes in, it's my desire to see us finish out this 2020 year well with a heart of gratitude and action. Next. Next. I was talking with somebody here a couple weeks ago about Giving and, and they were referencing, I don't know if I have the exact terms, but they said, they, you know, I see three buckets that uh, my family's always given in life. The first is the tithe. The 10% goes to the Lord off the top. The second bucket is gifts or things that I just want to bless, we bless people with. And then the third bucket is offerings or sacrificial offerings where we live in a state of cutting back in our own life and going without so we can be involved in ministries and do things. And I, you know, the person said that they were raised in that environment of uh, tithes, gifts, offerings, and that's just how they've gone with the flow, the mojo. And he said, God has blessed us and poured out into our lives. And we've been able to continue a spirit of generosity because God's continued to bless us and given us a spirit of gratitude. There's something in this. And if you've not got in the stream, get in the stream for goodness sake. Faith, gratitude, generosity. They go together. Take the step. Take the initiative. You know, one of the other things is the whole aspect of us doing this box of love. I saw a bunch of boxes of love come in today. This is a very simple thing. Of where you're saying, I'm going to pick up one of these on my way out today. I'm going to fill out the list of items that I need to put in here. And then there's a small check that you end up putting in here. Bring it back. We're trying to collect. How many are we trying to collect, Pastor Zach? 120. I looked up there. We had a lot more come in today, but there's not 120 yet. Did you do a box? Least we could do is bring the box, right? And that's due next next, uh, Sunday, right? December the 6th. But that's something real simple. That's not a widow's mite. I ask you, what is the widow's offering for you? It's different for each of us. What is the sacrifice? What is the faith that God's calling you to? You know, they would end church services normally Well, I guess it'd be during the middle with offertories. Any of you knew the offertory? What would they do during the offertory song? There would usually be an instrumentalist song, and they would pass the baskets, they'd pass the plates. We don't do passing the offerings uh, during COVID. We put them on the desk, but we've encouraged people to sit and, hey, just do that app thing kind of deal, and that'll take you right there we're going to close with an offertory. Because if we're going to give thanks, giving, it needs to be active. And what I'm going to do with this, and we're done after this, is I want you to just breathe in a video, a music video, of one of the more really famous, popular songs about thanks. Maybe you've heard it, maybe not. Some people said it's a hymn, but I don't really think it's a hymn. It's not old enough to be a hymn. But this song, um, I remember in the early 80s, striking me and almost making me tear up because a lot of times I would sing with my friends. There was a worship leader at the time, his name is Don Moen. In fact, this music video is him in his later years leading it with a band. And I want you to listen to the music video, Give Thanks. And I want you to seal in your heart what God's asking you to do in your change of trajectory maybe concerning giving to God. It's not about the money. It's not about the issue, oh, the church carries. No, this is an issue of thanksgiving. And let's finish out the Thanksgiving week and move towards the Christmas holiday with a heart of faith, gratefulness, and generosity. So listen to the video. Let it seal your decision. You can even give during this offertory video. Some of you know the song. You can sing the song. Let's close with a spirit of worship and thanksgiving. Let's give.